Dagon's Illusion, Episode 23, Pierced. Joshua Staples lay under the monstrous bulk of Eustace Twinch like a cockroach under a cow pie. Barely able to breathe, he stared up at the wild, filth-caked face framed in drool-dripping hair. The lightning flashes were almost constant now, and the strobe-like effect turned Eustace's facial contortions into a stop-action montage of grimacing, nightmarish stupidity. Though they were both yelling, their voices could barely be heard under the roiling blasts that shook the house. Nasty, nasty, bupkis, boozer, stealer! I wasn't stealing booze! Liar, liar, liar! Get off me, you fat idiot! I can't breathe! Eustace eased his weight but kept hold of Joshua by gripping his neck with one hand and his hair with the other. Let me up! Who the devil are you? No, 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 you, 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 who, you? A friend of Dagon's! <coughs> liar, 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 seen you not no time, not, not any. I'm his cousin from Buffalo. Liar, liar, liar. Okay, I'm not from Buffalo, but I'm trying to help him. He's stuck in the liquor cabinet. Liar, liar. I am not lying. Who are you? Eustace, cleaner, janitor, late for work. Come to clean, caught you, boozer stealer. You're the janitor? Yes, me, me. And you came to clean. Clean up, clean up, do it so every night. I got bad news for you, Bubba. No cleaning up tonight. Now would you get off me? You're squashing my nuts. Shut up, big, big, big mouth. Call police. So you're just going to do that. Struggling to his feet, he pulled Joshua up with him. Yeah, you just call the cops. But you better be able to scream like a banshee, because that's the only way they're going to hear you. None of the phones work. Eustace stared at him. No phones? None? None, none? That's right, not one. Now listen to me, bobblehead. Dagon is locked inside the liquor closet. I was trying to get him out when you screwed everything up. If you don't believe me, go see for yourself. Okay, 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 so I will. Dragging staples behind him, Eustace sloshed through the debris to the liquor closet cabinet. Beneath the blasts of thunder and shrieking wind, he heard pounding and yelling. Staples! Staples, where are you? Letting go of Joshua, Eustace yelled at the door. Boss, you, you, that you? Dimly from the other side came, Eustace? What you so do in the closet, boss? Why, why, why? Eustace, is there a black guy out there? Yes, 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 from Buffaloes. I slid him the key so he could open the door. Joshua yelled, There's a little problem with that. Your dumbass janitor tried to strangle me and I dropped the dang thing. You're going to be in there a while until we find it. He snarled at Eustace. This is your doing, so get down in the muck and start looking. The floor was two inches deep in water and broken glass. Key, key, don't need key. Eustace open lots of doors. Stepping back, he kicked the door to splinters. A moment later, Dagan emerged. I take it you couldn't find the key. Well, we didn't spend a lot of time looking. Dagan stared at Eustace. What are you doing here? Ellie was supposed to pick you up and take you to Baton Rouge. Not go. I can see that. Why didn't you go? Hid. He looked very guilty. You hid from her? In painting place. Paint, 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 paint. Then do little jobs here and there. So and so. Lots of little jobs. Get them done. In a hurricane? Yes, yes, yes. 
poopy, nasty jobs. Joshua rolled his eyes. Mr. Poopy came to tidy things up. Eustace grinned. Right, right, so tidy up, nice and clean. Dagan just shook his head. Ellie's gonna kick your butt. Oops, oops, oops. You're darn right, oops. Suddenly, Joshua froze. Dear God in glory, what is that? Dagan and Eustace turned to look. Near the staircase leading down into the mansion drifted a vague, shimmering form. For a moment, it hung motionless in the wind. Then, slowly, it moved down the stairs. Eustace started to run after it, but Dagan grabbed him. No, stay here! Nasties, nasties! I said stay here! Joshua was shaking. Good Lord, this whole place is full of demons! Moving to the staircase, Dagan shined his flashlight down into the blowing darkness. Whatever it was, it's gone. He was turning away when there was a glimmer at the bottom of the stairs. Slowly, the apparition took the vague form of a man. Raising an arm, it seemed to beckon. Then the wall behind it vanished. Where it had stood appeared an ancient stone entrance. Still beckoning, the shimmering apparition vanished through it, and the entrance disappeared. Dagan yelled to Staples, Go back up to the attic. Eustace, you go with him. There's a girl up there. A girl? A girl girl? We found her by the front door. Steffi, I forgot, I forgot! With a huge grin, Eustace rushed toward the attic door. So your nutcase janitor knows Corpse Girl. Why am I not surprised? And just exactly where are you going? There's something I have to do. If I'm not back in an hour, come and look for me. Like hell, I've saved your ass for the last time. I know what you're going to do. You're going to go chase demons. I don't want no part of that craziness. You are on your own, Mr. Wizard. Joshua headed to the attic. When he was alone, Dagan started down the stairs. On the second floor, he found nothing unusual, no apparition, and no stone entrance. So he headed down the next staircase. He was almost at the bottom when the thing appeared again. Okay, I see you. Who are you and what do you want? There was no answer, but this time it didn't vanish. Staying 30 feet ahead, it glided through the mansion into a back hall. Here there were no windows and the storm was quieter. Turning a corner, Dagan stopped. A long section of oak paneling had torn away and fallen to the floor. The apparition was hovering halfway down the hall. Slowly, it turned and vanished. Dagon climbed over the broken wood. At the place where it had disappeared stood a rusted iron door that had been hidden behind the paneling. What the hell is this? Grasping the knob, he tried to turn it, but it was stuck. Gripping it with both hands, he twisted and pushed. There was a deep groan and the door eased open. In the beam of his flashlight, he saw the backs of chairs. Cautiously, he entered. The door closed and the scream of the hurricane vanished. What had just happened? He wasn't knee-deep in water anymore. The floor was dry. He shined his light around the room. He was at the back of a large parlor decorated in the style of the mid-1800s. The windows were covered with heavy black drapes. But how could there be windows? The room was in the center of the mansion with no outer walls. Clearly it had been sealed for a very long time. Masses of cobwebs hung everywhere and the air reeked of mold. He was standing behind rows of chairs that had been strung with black crepe. It was what he saw beyond them that brought a creeping horror. The parlor had been arranged for a wake. 
Spread out across the front of the room were half a dozen tall candlesticks that drooped with half-burned wax. Among these stood large gray vases stuffed with brown stalks, the residue of what must have been massive bouquets. But the funeral had never been completed. At the front lay a burial casket with its lid closed. Slowly he walked up to it. Under a mantle of dust gleamed polished mahogany, the coffin of a wealthy person, and not a large person. It was the size of a small woman. Was this where the witch had lain for one hundred and fifty years? Had he thought she was buried in the mausoleum in the labyrinth? Was this the gift that she had promised, her rotted body in a box? But that didn't make sense. She had told him that he would have to search for it, and there had been no searching. As evil as she was, she didn't lie. So what was this? There was only one way to find out. Dagon was about to lift the lid when he stopped. On the chance that it was the gift from Melissa Marin, he had better be careful. It would be just like her to set a trap. The normal way to open a casket was from the front, so he moved to an end. Picking up one of the long candlesticks, he guided it to the casket lid. It took some effort, but finally he was able to push it open an inch. Nothing. A few more inches. Still nothing. Finally, he shoved it open all the way. Empty. He was almost disappointed. If he couldn't see the witch burn in hell, her rotted corpse would be the next best thing. So what was all of this about? He looked closer. Wait a minute, the coffin wasn't empty. In the middle was a lump. The silk that had lined the lid had fallen, concealing an object. Carefully, Dagon pushed away the dusty material. Under it lay a thick, leather-bound book that looked hundreds of years old. Was this the gift that she had promised? If the coffin wasn't a trap, the book might be. Shielding his face and using the candlestick, Dagon shoved it a few inches. Nothing happened. Easing open the cover, he shined his flashlight on it. What he saw was a hand-scripted title page with words in a language that he did not recognize. Below the words was a drawing of a world, but not this world. The continents weren't right. Bending down, he examined the paper. It was exquisite parchment, only slightly yellowed with age. He began turning the pages. They were covered with line after line of meticulous hand lettering, and interleaved with them were etched illustrations of what appeared to be primitive scientific experiments and equipment. Among these were the portraits of men. By the style of their hair and clothes, they represented many generations and cultures. He was engrossed in the examination when suddenly he heard an odd sound. Turning, he stared into the shadows. It had been a kind of soft scrape, as though something were crawling across the floor. He shined his light around the room. It came again, much closer, but nothing was visible. All right, definitely time to go. Closing the book, he picked it up. Instantly, there was a loud snap. Dagon yelled and dropped it. Out of the leather spine protruded four needles, one had stabbed straight through his palm. He swore. So she had caught him after all with the perfect bait. His hand was tingling. Numbness moved into his arm. His vision blurred. His heart pounded and it was difficult to breathe. He had to get out of here. But when he tried to run, he staggered back against the coffin. The lid slammed shut. 
Unable to stand because of the dizziness, he slid to the floor. Something was lying next to him. Through the blur, he pawed at it. It was a blood-red necktie. Then he heard a woman's voice yell, Robbie! Robbie! You get out here right now! You're going on in one minute!